0: Welcome to a special episode of Ottoman History Podcast. I'm Chris Grayton.
1: And I'm Emily Newmeyer.
0: Emily and I are here to introduce uh, a, the latest series on Ottoman History Podcast website. We have a number of series. We have a series on history of science. We have a series on is- the history of Islamic law. Uh, and this series, uh, entitled The Visual Past, is a, uh, a very, I think, innovative way of framing a range of interviews we've done in the past and will be releasing in the future. Joining us in the conversation today is Nina Errigan. You've heard her on the podcast before. She's an associate professor of art history at Coach University and uh, has a range of talents and uh, research topics, all in various ways linked to the history of not only visual sources, uh, but also sensory history as a whole, urban experience and architecture. So she'll be joining in our conversation today. Nina, thank you for joining us again.
2: Well, thank you very much for having me.
0: <laughs> so, Emily, let's introduce for the Ottoman History Podcast listeners, the Visual Past Series.
1: Well, uh, when we were thinking about developing different thematic series for the Ottoman History Podcast, something that we really wanted to see was and we, something we felt was missing was a theme or a series that addressed the visual
0: mm-hmm.
1: Ottoman world. And we're using that very uh, very loosely. Um, so I, I, I got together with my uh, co-curator of the of this new series, uh, Unve Rustem. Uh, and he he and I uh, talking about it, we decided that uh, we really wanted uh, something that addressed basically the 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 spatial and material world of the Ottoman Empire. So the built environment, architecture, works of art Mm -hmm. material culture. Right. And it was important for us to find all the episodes and to develop new episodes that really have at the center, the concept that, you know, whether it's, it's a building or a photograph or a map Mm -hmm. that these are really, um, these are primary sources because I think, you know, when we talk about Ottoman history, we really think of, of the document, mm-hmm. the archival document as exactly. our prime, as, as the primary primary source. And it's really, a it's, it's our mission in, in this episode series is to highlight scholars to really showcase scholars, uh, modeling, mm-hmm. uh, techniques and methodologies that really explore these different kinds of sources, really? um, for exploring the Ottoman
0: world. And our listeners will find on the website that there are a lot of great pictures, maps, different types of images to look at that make these really fun series in a way. But at its heart, the series is kind of making a methodological point uh, about the way we use images of various varieties and the way we um, uh, sort of envision the past, right? Uh, Photographs are very casually, if we're talking most generally. Ottoman History Podcast once gained many followers by sharing photographs with historical context, but no actual uh, visual commentary, for example, they're used very casually, uh, and a lot of the people you've you've spoken to emphasize just how um, complex uh, reading uh, visual sources can be, whether it be a building or a work of art, uh, and, and just how much information really is contained for the when the discerning eye is looking.
1: So, something I really want to emphasize is that for the listeners who check out the series that in every episode um we sit down with with the guests and we have images in front of us and we're really walking through and analyzing um these uh, these images as sources so and then all the listeners can go to the website and check out the images you know either during or after after the podcast we're sort
0: of looking out loud on the podcast so to speak you know uh Talking about what we see and really uh, exposing uh, the methodology of visual history that sometimes doesn't even come through in the publications. Uh, it, it gives the, the listeners a chance to understand uh, the craft of a, maybe a field of study they're not familiar with but are certainly interested in. And maybe there we should bring Nina into the conversation as we talk about some of the different episodes and types of topics that are covered in the podcast. Because we've recorded two, I've recorded two episodes actually with Nina, both very interesting, and one of them actually involved looking at buildings and imagining what they sounded like, which is uh, which for me was not intuitive. Uh, this is sonic history, I guess we would call it. But it, was, it was a very fruitful discussion. So Nina, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your, your sonic study of architecture in mm-hmm. the Ottoman Empire.
2: Well, first of all, thank you for bringing me back for this discussion. What I always like to do is sort of to poke the boundaries of things a bit further. So when you said the visual past, then immediately in my mind is like, oh, but it's not just a visual past. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a material past that involves all other senses as well. So um, when we think of a visual past with objects, even if it's just a photograph, a photograph is something that was meant to be handled Mm. where you would feel like rough edges or you know uh, things that flake off and so forth Mm -hmm. so um for me it's i guess because i have this slightly rebellious side to me it's always quite (laughs) obvious (laughs) when i look at the building it's never just about the looking it's about all the other stuff that people usually leave out of the picture the sensory experience exactly Mm -hmm. yes and i think that's um very important thing for Ottoman history, which, I mean, it's getting, obviously, the field is changing a great deal, but still there is so much um, emphasis on the text and so mm. much emphasis on archival documents. And so it's it's so easy to forget really the human experience behind that because we get so bogged down in how do we read this word and that word? Well, is it really that important <laughs> sometimes did that really matter as much as the, like let's say an urban experience or sort of the, the experience exactly experience, yeah. the experience of of an uncomfortable urban space mm-hmm. uh, that in in sort of tipping things over into a rebellion mm-hmm. um so i think the, these 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 are very complementary mm-hmm. that should always be kept in mind mm-hmm. So one way that I think that
1: Nina, that your, your work really gets at in terms of, um, the, the spatial or the sensorial experience, one way that your work addresses this topic really in a really fascinating way is gender. Uh, so, uh, could you talk a little bit more about, about how your, your work talks about the, the sensory experience of men and mostly women, Mm -hmm. um, in in the in the built in the built environment
2: mm-hmm. i mean you know uh in in islamic art history sort of uh, quite a lot of emphasis or attention has been given to women patrons of architecture and and so forth um but then uh, there's uh i think uh, again and that's a sort of a disciplinary boundary that I like to poke at, <laughs> um, <laughs> is that uh, this type of architectural history or art history, again, remains very vetted to the visual. Now, again, that's just one dimension of the everyday experience of women. And when you sort of combine maybe textual sources about uh, women's experience with the built environment with objects and so forth. Then you you can start to figure out that you know the built environment is, is so much more than just seeing. It's sure. also a lot about hearing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there is a lot of visual material out there, or or history written with the help of visual material about the harem in the mm-hmm. top Kappa Palace, mm-hmm. All right? right. But then uh, when you go there and you actually look uh, around, for example, in the, in the divan, in the council room, you can see holes in the ceiling that led through into uh, the spaces behind that connected to the harem. Now, that brings, of course, the question is like, well, women may not have been able to sit in on the harem in such a way that they were right. visible, but... They could have listened in.
0: Very easily eavesdrop. And maybe exactly. it's even designed that way. And this is a great uh, intervention because, especially in talking about Islamic cities. There's this narrative that uh, the city is designed in such a way that, oh, women aren't supposed to be seen by outsiders. That That's how buildings are made and whatnot and, and vis-a-vis the street. Um, but here, when we introduce another uh, realm of the sensory experience, mm-hmm. of course, we see a much different picture. Women are able to speak through the, across those boundaries and hear across those boundaries as exactly. well.
2: Exactly. And it, it may have been actually quite m- more effective... Um, uh, to to be able to listen in or to make themselves heard than to be seen and not being able to communicate, sure. mm-hmm. um, you know. I mean, you can clearly convey much more through speaking right. than I don't know <laughs> some kind of like gestures as signals and so forth mm-hmm. and we I mean you can also bring that together with textual sources I mean as a fact that uh, actually specifies that uh, if, if women go to court it's it's not enough that they give um, witness from behind the curtain right that means that this would have happened Hmm. uh and it, it it presented a great deal of um of opportunity for cheating i guess <laughs> or, or sort of you know some kind of fraud by introducing there a woman who was not actually i don't know the plaintiff or the complainant right. and so forth <laughs> so um so when you when you combine and looking at built environments with uh that have uh, some kind of quite um, how shall I say, permeable boundaries yeah. through, um, let's say, curtains or, or um, I don't know, carriage doors, mm-hmm. um, uh, lattices, window lattices, mm-hmm. and so forth. When you combine that then with also textual descriptions of, you know, how this may have worked sure. uh, in different contexts – then I think you can get a very good idea of of how women uh, sure. interacted in very inventive ways with the built environment. And that shapes sort of our conception of architecture, mm-hmm. not just Islamic architecture, but it can also, you know, feed into architectural history of other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And
0: if we sort of add scent to the picture where we very quickly waded into a whole genre of uh, romantic novels and literature that is perhaps oh, uh, yes. <laughs> also a, a subject for future episodes... So Emily, maybe that's a good place to um, delve deeper into sort of what's in the series, what's what we've already released on the website and what's coming in the near future.
1: Well, so we've ar- we, we, we have we took a look at what we already have uh, in terms of the episodes that have already been produced and we identified a lot of, you know, different, d- tried to be a little creative yeah. in, <laughs> in terms of thinking about uh, what are the different Themes that was very carefully discussed. Yes, it was very carefully uh, discussed. Um, One of the things that um, really came out was that you know um, there's there's really a divide in terms of earlier material and Mm -hmm. later nineteenth and twentieth century material, Mm -hmm. and and for the early material, really um, we're focusing a lot on um, on the book arts Mm -hmm. and uh, on. Manuscripts and and the calligraphic arts right. and and this gets into what what uh, Nina was talking about a little earlier about you know how books were where books were produced, mm-hmm. how were they read, who was supposed to be reading them, right. who had access to them?
0: Right. Um, so seeing visual sources in their context. for example, the episode you did with Emine her exactly on, her, uh, on uh, Ottoman uh, manuscript paintings
1: exactly and, and and specifically uh the the manuscripts of of Ottoman of the history right. of the Ottoman dynasty the sort of, be, of as of of it was became a sort of a very popular genre mm-hmm. uh in the in the late 16th century in the court um right. so we 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 talked about this a little bit and uh we also talked about how and this is this is a crucial a crucial aspect that we want to explore more is that um you know is this is really an art form that um, really is centered in the court, but there are a lot of people coming. We want to complicate that by talking a little bit about how people are come, all sorts of people are coming in and out of the court hmm. and also how um, in many ways the court really in Istanbul, which is really sort of the um, in many ways the lodestar of, you know, art and architectural history that um, we can complicate this by thinking about um production of of building of uh, and patronage outside of the court or sort of on the periphery of the mm-hmm. court. So that's something we're also really interested in talking
0: about. Right. Yeah. And a great compliment to that conversation is Emra's previous podcast, for those who can listen in Turkish, with Tulum de Ermenji about uh, sort of representations of history uh, through images during the 18th century. Right.
1: Precisely, yeah. And we also have... Um, in terms of the of the of the nineteenth and twentieth century, we're also um, you know exploring different ways that new technologies uh, mm-hmm. affected um, how it transformed visual culture in the mm-hmm. Ottoman world. And one of the ways that really uh, becomes apparent is through photography, which is uh, something sure. you just brought up. Um, it's something that people, I think, you know, especially with the opening of a lot of uh, online archives mm-hmm. that it's some it's something that we use a lot um for right. all the episodes of the autumn history podcast and talking a little bit more about this um, you know these amazing resources that are opening up in terms of historic photographs so we'll have we have quite a few um already uh for the series but we're also planning quite a few more um specifically on the on the topic of photography and cinema
0: and they really run the gamut going yeah. from your very interesting interview with edham Eldem about uh Tracing, tracking down uh, Ottoman photographs and some of the challenges that presents and, and going beyond, you know, sort of the, the um, canonical photographers of the late Ottoman period to to look for private uh, photography collections that, uh, you know, aren't yet extant. That, that exhibit that was at uh, the uh, Research Center for Anatolian Civilizations in Istanbul. Right. Very good episode. Yeah. And then on the other hand, we've had episodes on cinema in the Ottoman empire, but really not focusing so much on the films, but rather their political context and the context of their screening, uh, whether with, um, Chedik Temel tolman about, um, uh, sort of, uh, some of the rules and regulations surrounding the introduction of cinema to, uh, a Turkish, uh, interview with Nezi Erdogan about, uh, sort of society of the spectacle and how late Ottoman cinema plays into that.
1: And photographs are also, um, an interesting category because, um, uh, we really want to take this this series into the direction as well of of, of material culture, mm-hmm. um, vernacular mm-hmm. expressions of mm-hmm. of visual culture, and I mean, photography is one of those um, definitely one of those categories where you know we just you know literally just have thousands and thousands and thousands of of examples. You know, in in contrast with these sort of you know precious works of art that are, you know, Mm -hmm. unique, completely unique and really in, in sitting in the Topkapi Palace, sitting in, you know, Mm -hmm. in museums all around the world, which are also, um, which were intended to inspire awe, to inspire wonder in the, in the, in its viewers. Um, so to, you know, we want to talk about, you know, in, in, art history, we talk about high and low, um, <laughs> yeah. High and low art, yeah. um, and so we were definitely also want to take it in the in the direction of material culture. So yeah, we're definitely. also planning to talk about uh, archaeology, not only the history of archaeology, but also talk to archaeologists right. um, who are collecting really the the you know right. bits and bobs of Ottoman life.
0: Right, and while while, while art weighs so heavily, obviously, in this uh, field, it, it we we are emphasizing that visual culture is much more than just high pieces of art. It, it really uh, is a, a spectrum of uh, sources for history and ways of looking at the past. Welcome back to Ottoman History Podcast. Chris Grayton here with Emily Neumeier, uh and Nina Ergen as well, talking uh, about the new series on Ottoman History Podcast, The Visual Past. Please visit our website, OttomanHistoryPodcast.com, for a link to all the episodes in that series, uh, and also for a way of uh, subscribing easily through iTunes, where it has its own separate feed and where you'll be updated with the latest releases as they come out. So with Nina, we've already talked a bit about architecture and buildings and some ways of... of uh, of studying those. One of our most, I think, uh, really fascinating episodes in our series was an early one re- you and I recorded, Emily, with uh, yeah. Hegnar Wattenpa, mm-hmm. about how the Ottoman state used, uh, used architecture uh, as a me- means of uh, influencing urban experience uh, with, a, with a particular imperial and political uh, message over the centuries. And we delved into a lot of different uh, aspects of that in the city of Ottoman Aleppo over the course of the early modern period. So let's talk about some of the, the forthcoming episodes uh on uh architecture in the Ottoman Empire that our listeners can look forward to in the Visual Past series.
1: Well, uh jumping off from uh from our episode with, with Hegnar Wattenpah, that really addresses the uh we were really talking about the the branding potential mm-hmm. of of the classical Ottoman mosque in the provinces. Sure. That was something we were talking about. And, uh, something to, to sort of make a conceptual leap, uh, we're, we'll also be launching a a new episode with, uh, Kishvar Rizvi that you, you recorded Chris, um, where she talks about the transnational
0: mosque, um, her new book. The adopting of the Ottoman image as a, a brand, the, the, the Sinan mosque sort of as a brand for the, uh, uh modern turkish mosque is right so fast international export yeah
1: yeah fast forward to the early 21st century and you know we've we've you know also have the classical ottoman mosque at the forefront of a global uh well transnational uh phenomenon of of mosque construction around the world and also we have uh many episodes that are coming up that, uh, are addressed specifically, uh, architecture and its connection with diplomacy, which is another, um, um, it's an interesting theme within art and architecture, sort of how these mechanisms of diplomacy, um, connection, more global connections affect art making and, uh, Architectural patronage. Mm-hmm. So we'll be talking with uh, Paolo Giordelli, uh, who will be talking about his project landscapes of the Eastern Question, which mm-hmm. is a fabulous title. And uh, he'll be talking about how Para becomes the district of diplomacy. We right. we we think of it now as as, as the uh, Beolu, as the the arc, the the commercial center, the the, the, the heart the heart of modern istanbul but we talking about how in the 19th century it really became this district where um all the european powers were kind of really jockeying for urban space right. and we're building these fabulous you know these sort of uh large-scale um embassies mm-hmm. in in Western European neoclassical Renaissance styles yeah, exactly. that really, um, really stuck out in yeah. the in the urban in the urban fabric. They were quite uh, and a ultimately out of context and ultimately changed way. the
0: urban fabric of Istanbul. You know, I was with a friend visiting from France uh, and we were walking around Beolu and she's like, "It's some of this is so much like Paris. It's uncanny and it's it's not a coincidence." Uh, Paulo's uh, episode ties in very nicely with a conversation we had with Nilay Özlü about a Levantine family and the family of Levantine architects that sort of left a huge imprint uh, on the Beola region uh, through buildings such as the uh, Ottoman Bank. Mm
2: -hmm. I think in terms of of, uh, uh, making connections between architecture and diplomacy or showing how French actually or Italian or whatever um, 19th century para was, uh, We we are probably uh, in 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 art history still also very much wedded to nationalist Mm. narratives Mm -hmm. about what you know what makes a French building French an Italian building Italian etc etc and we forget how actually fluid and mobile the life worlds were of Levantines right. or you know of, of Ottomans of Armenians who, who went to study in Paris etc. So I mean maybe in, in, in some respects it was actually easier to move around and to get an education in a different country an artistic and architectural education in a different country than it was today in fact.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah we we talk about that with, with Paolo um, sort of really trying to complicate these ideas of you know national identity even though these were I mean, I mean the the if, if you could talk about an architecture that represents a country or a people you really can't you know you, you really can't get away from the embassy is as, as something that would represent Secondary. that mm-hmm. but it but in fact he does talk about a lot about how um these uh people who are organized in in building it designing these buildings were often you know um Um, Levantines Mm -hmm. from Istanbul and how um, or they were um, you know the the there were a lot of confluence in terms of the you know British French Italian Mm -hmm. you know Austrian you know in terms of the vocabulary of styles at that period um, the eclecticism of of what was happening right Um, so yeah we'll be we'll definitely be diving into that
0: and and one of the uh other sort of like anachronisms, I guess, that I became alerted to by listening to your series and some of your interviews, Emily, is that maybe monumental architecture of the 19th century and early 20th century built by Europeans uh, in sort of a historicist historicist style. uh, Architecture that today kind of takes on this uh, almost majesty. It wasn't always, in fact, uh, received as such and not always as like a a grand kind of... uh, uh, symbol uh i that's one of the things that i learned from listening to your interview with lorenz korn about the the, the german fountain uh not far from the eye of sophia nina i'm sure you know this I fountain know. <laughs> but there was there was a very interesting story there that our listeners can look forward to hearing about
1: yeah that's right so uh we'll be talking about how you know Kaiser Wilhelm decides to make a great gift to the people of Istanbul. And then, you know, we talk a little bit about how in many ways was not necessarily so excited about it. And there was a lot right. of negotiation and back and forth. And
0: yeah, you guys can look forward to that whole episode dedicated just to one fountain, but it's really, well, we really interesting story. We really walk you story. through it. <laughs> yeah. And again, we have, we have so many episodes in this series already and so many more in store on such a, a, a wide array of topics. Um, the politics of representation comes into this in an interesting way. Uh, we had this episode that uh, Nick Danforth and I recorded with Asla Isis about Turkey exporting uh, its brand t- to the world through actually by consulting with marketing agencies about how to create an image of like Turkey in the post uh, year 2000 sort of uh, neoliberal moment. And I'll add to that uh, an episode that we recorded with Nick Danforth about representations of of sort of others, Arabs and, and other peoples of the Middle East in the world in the Turkish satirical uh, periodical, Akbaba, and s- sort of the some of the political implications or non-implications of those uh, uh, representations.
1: The journal Akbaba ties in nicely with another episode that we recorded. Um, uh, it's another one of the older podcasts, but also it was uh, very popular uh, with Yasemin Gencer. Yeah on um, the um, on cartoons the importance of cartoons in the definitely especially in the in the early republican periods Mm -hmm. and we actually have a whole uh, we have a whole um, collection of episodes that that explicitly address not only the the ottoman visual past but also uh, the visual past as it continued into the into the modern turkish period and that address specifically uh, the role of art and in mm-hmm. um, visual culture mm-hmm. in um, explorations of, of modernity yes. of nationalism. Uh, we also have a podcast, a really, really nice podcast uh, the, with Sachil Yomas where uh, she talks about um, um, the, the paintings of the, of these early, early Republican uh, painters mm-hmm. who uh, went out on these uh, On these um, funded
0: excursions, funded
1: the funded excursion into the provinces, the uh, yurt uh, geziler, Mm -hmm. um, the that the government funded um, to really paint the Turkish nation in all of its corners.
0: And one of the things I liked in that conversation was actually how. You know, the funders of this sort of nationals project during the 1940s to to paint the peasant, as we say in the podcast, had a radically different vision than some of the artists who themselves were socialists or, or Marxists and went out with real leftist, ten, leftist tendencies and that actually were accentuated by their experience uh, living with uh, peasants and, and depicting uh, images from Eastern Anatolia.
1: And we also uh, just recently, uh, to complement that, we just had a recent podcast with Sarah Neal Smith. Sure. Uh, on the politician Bülent uh, Ecevit, but um, most people know him as a politician but as we learned from Sarah Neal, he was also really active in mm-hmm. forming the um, the art scene and the art criticism scene right. uh, in Istanbul
0: and his uh, perspectives on art and politics were, were deeply intertwined in this case his understanding of Turkish modernity in the 1950s a moment uh, in which um, ideas such as democracy are being mm-hmm. robustly debated uh, mm-hmm. in the Turkish press yeah well, there's there's too many episodes for us to mention today, <laughs> Emily, in this podcast. You know we have one coming up with Gwen Colosso looking at Levni's surname and looking at um, urban transformation the transformation of Istanbul's waterfront during the early eighteenth uh, century. And for those who have followed the podcast since its earlier days, uh, we're, we're we're refurbishing a lot of our old episodes in these series, sort of bringing them to light to, you know, reminding our older audience and letting our uh, newer audience know about some of the older conversations. And one of the great ones was actually one of our first Turkish episodes with uh, Ervin Jemiel Schick about Islamic calligraphy or Hatsanata. Uh, so there's really just... Uh, you know an incredible selection of episodes uh, to look forward to in this series and and i'm i'm very happy that now that the visual past series is being released it's going to lend even greater sort of methodological coherence to all of these episodes and really create a conversation that's going to link up uh scholars working on a range of issues we didn't even mention the issue of maps and cartography mm. of course uh Episodes that are also featured in Nir Shafir's History of Science series, so interview with Palmeira Brummett about her new book on mapping the Ottomans, and also Karen Pinto, whose book on medieval Islamic cartography has recently been released. So really, uh, the Visual Past series is uh, in conversation with some of our other series, which I think represent some of the most innovative and popular and interesting uh, directions in the field of uh, Ottoman studies and the uh, field of history as a whole.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say that uh, the the most exciting thing about the visual past, um, instead of getting too hung up about the uh, the constraints of mm-hmm. of the visual, is to see just how many connections there are between, um, I guess the the visual and, and material right. and built worlds with with all the other different themes on the podcast to see what a what a big umbrella the Ottoman history podcast is and can be.
0: Well, Emily, I'm so happy that you've collaborated with me and and with Unver Rustem as well on uh, sort of bringing this uh, series to fruition. It's been long in the making. Um, I know it's difficult to talk about images on a radio program and talk about visualization without having any visuals, but I think it's uh, somehow a very interesting exercise and something that's really yielding fruitful results. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Chris.
0: I want to thank our listeners for tuning into this uh, special introduction to the Visual Past series. We want to remind you that we have a feed in the iTunes directory, which you can find directly in iTunes under the Visual Past, published by Ottoman History Podcast, or simply go to our website, ottomanhistorypodcast.com, where we have a link to the Visual Past series as well as all the other series on our website. Thank you so much for listening. That's all for this episode. Until next time, take care.